Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. I didn't have a playbook starting out. I had to learn everything the hard way. The good news is you don't have to. Great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Let's get to work. All right, Jake. So you're in, you're in Utah at the, uh, or just, y'all just wrapped up the Knockstar event. Tell me about that. How did that go? Oh, they, they did an amazing job. Danny and, uh, Taylor, their team, uh, they, they killed it. It was awesome. Yeah. I've been, I've been hearing their names a lot because, uh, we use, uh, for my solar company, we use Quativa. Okay. So yeah, th- their names get thrown away, uh, thrown away, <laughs> thrown around a lot. So, uh, all right guys, I got Jake Hess here. Uh, Jake Hess is an experienced solar sales trainer, uh, sought after mentor and coach. He started and built seven businesses in the last four years that have grossed over a hundred million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, Jake mainly because he's mentored hundreds of sales professionals and entrepreneurs, helped them grow their brand and streamline their businesses. So this is like Doug Mitchell 2.0 here. We're, we're, we're talking to the future me in about five, five, six years, I think. So I'm excited to have you on the uh, podcast here, Jake. Uh, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, I live in San Diego. I have a little four and a half year old son. I surf a lot and I'm looking forward to get him into surfing. Uh, just love hanging out with friends, camping on the off time, but found a passion for you know, just going out and sharing what I know about solar and, you know, what I've built in the past uh, with other people. It's exciting. It's super gratifying to go out and see people's, you know, faces light up or just watch them get that sense of excitement when they just, they find a new piece of information that they can utilize in order to exceed themselves further in life. It's kind of, it's, it's really cool watching that. Yeah. It's awesome to, to see you do that too. And, uh, so you guys created the, uh, the solar Academy. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We have the solar Academy and, uh, and solar con. Yeah. Awesome. And so, yeah, I'm excited about that as well. Looking forward to the solar con this year. I got the, uh, whatever the top tier tickets is. I wanted to make sure me and, uh, Wayne, my minority partner, uh, definitely got in on that. So with, uh, the, the solar Academy, kind of what you were talking about, that's kind of what you're passionate about is teaching others. And so yeah. what, I guess what sparked that had you just exited your company and then you were like, okay, what's next? No, the company was uh, still running. My friend, Ben, he, he ran the company with me and he said, Hey man, I, I know you hate going to conferences. Uh, but you know, I found a new love for them after this. I was like, it opened my eyes, but it's like, I know you hate going to conferences, but I bought us tickets to go to San Francisco to go sit in one. And I'm like, duh, you, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was not stuck. I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm flying first class and I'm renting a convertible Maserati when I'm out there. I'm going on vacation, <laughs> but I'll show up to your conference. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all uh, business expenses, right? Like <laughs> uh, you're, we're paying for this if I'm going. So anyway, ended up going into the conference and I was, I was writing down stuff. Like the guy was up there talking, I was just writing it down and I'm like, why is this guy giving all of this information. I'm, I write it. I can do this. I can do this. A, a day and a half later, I was like, that's it. I threw my pen. I'm like, that's it. I can do all of this stuff, but, um, it would take me years. 
So after getting motivated by that, we flew back, our accountant sat us down and showed us what we were making, you know, for that year. And, and it was really, it's really good money. It's, you know, more than my I've ever made, but, uh, right. but after this conference, I just thought I could do better. And, you know, I, my whole vision for solar was to put sales reps in a place and help them understand solar better than anyone else. And, um, you know, be the top in the country at what they do. And, you know, I realized that having a sales org, uh, was, could potentially be prohibiting that because, um, you know, we're making a cutoff of that as well. So it didn't really fall in line with the passion that I had anymore. It did at first, but as we move on and get educated, um, you know, things changed a little bit and I wanted to help them further. That's awesome. So you basically went from practitioner to teacher. That's what happened there. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like that. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things that I guess attracted to me in the first place was, uh, I, I think I was talking to Joe and he was telling me about you. Um, and Joe, uh, is your partner in solar Academy? Yeah. Him. And then, um, one of my best friends, Neil, okay. uh, he also owns part of the solar Academy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was at a, a, a conference in Dallas and, uh, I was talking to Joe or whatever, and, uh, he was just telling me about you and he was just saying that you're really trying to, uh, change the solar industry. Right. And, uh, not that it's just incredibly so bad, but there, there is a lot of, uh, things that are going on that, you know, rep selling without integrity. Right. And you wanted to bring integrity back to, back to solar. You know what I mean? And one of my, uh, core values is we operate in integrity. You know what I mean? So, uh, that was something that really resonated with me. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. That's yeah, that's a good point that you bring up. I'm not trying to fix the people that are being dishonest. They already know that they are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is like, I'm not going to, what am I going to do? Just go in there and be like their mother, you know, they were right. raised wrong. It's the people that it's the people that are uh, teaching things or selling the way that they were taught and they don't, they don't know any better. They don't know what they don't know. Those are the people that I really want to get to. I really want to motivate and educate because I feel like generally in solar, there's a lot of good people, uh, mostly good people. It's just that unfortunately we all get under these circumstances and we become a product of those circumstances. And, yeah. and, and then it snowballs, someone else breaks off and teaches a whole bunch of people that same thing. And so those are the people that I want to get to and, and, um, try to further along in their career. Yeah. And, that's honestly why I got into the, into the business in the first place. So I've been on uh, different campaigns over the last 12 years. We've mainly done door to door and our main client's been AT&T, but we've done all kinds of other stuff with security and B2B and uh, telemarketing. But a couple of years ago, my father-in-law got sold solar and uh, you know, he must've had like a five kilowatt system, but he needed like a 12 kilowatt and the, uh, the sales rep was telling him that it was a hundred percent offset and that he wasn't oh. going to have electric bill anymore. And it was your typical, uh, you know, shady solar sale. You know what I mean? And I, right. and it, it bothered me because one, he didn't call me first, you know what I mean? Cause it was a door to door sales rep, you know, and I, I wasn't in solar yet. So I understand why he didn't think to, but door to door in general, you want to make sure that you're dealing with a, uh, a, a reputable company. And so, um, 
unfortunately he's got the solar system on, on, on top of his house now that, you know, he's got a, maybe a 40 or $50 offset, but his electric bill is $300 every month. So, and then he's paying, you know, 150 a month for solar. So, uh, that, that really bugged the crap out of me and kind of kept me out of the in- industry for a couple of years, you know? And then as I started, you know, having people recruited away from my team to go sell solar because of the big figures and everything, I wasn't too worried about that. It was more that my, my main people, my leaders and stuff kept coming to me and saying, Hey, we need to get on this. You know what I mean? And at least, cause they knew, they knew the story and everything. And they knew why I didn't want to get into solar just yet. They, they, they said that they felt like a lot of that had finally been washed out. You know what I mean? And it was starting to get more competitive and more to where we could be in that space without having that, uh, that basically that bad annotation about the solar industry attached to us. You know what I'm saying? So we got in about six or seven months ago and it's been, it's been going really well. You know, we, we do pass on a, on a lot of sales, you know what I mean? Because, you know, the customers want the power to go straight into their home, you know what I mean? Or the customers want a ground mount when, you know, it would cover half their backyard. Right. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going we're gonna to sell with integrity. You know what I mean? We're not going to tell a customer something that is, isn't true or we don't know to be true. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's kind of what we're doing right now, but move kind of, kind of moving away away from solar in general, because this show is about building great sales teams. I wanted to kind of ask you a few questions and, and feel free to add in whatever you think is relevant, but let me ask you this. What, what is the number one mistake you think entrepreneurs make in the early stages of, of building sales teams? (laughs) Uh, They don't, they do not have their own morals in place. That's the biggest problem. Uh, they, you know, they drop their, their standards, they drop their morals down in order to get new recruits in and it doesn't go in line with their business and, you know, why they, every entrepreneur built their business because they believe they could do it better than anyone else. And they could give a better experience to the homeowners and, you know, to themselves and to even the people they work with. Uh, but these sales reps, they have their own way that they've been taught. And sometimes in the beginning, you know, it's, we get so caught up in wanting to make the business profitable and um, actually have numbers start to come in and have a a legitimate business that sometimes, you know, we drop our standards in order to bring these people on with bad habits. And and we try to make that fit in the business that we've built. And, you know, as time passes on, we realize that we're trying to fit a round peg in a square hole, right? Is that how it goes? Square peg in a square hole. Either way it works. (laughs) And, um, and you know, then, you know, it doesn't work out. So we have to let them go. And that sets us back a little bit, our emotions and moves us further back. Uh, you know, one step backwards, two step forward is kind of the idea behind that one. Yeah. I think I I couldn't agree with you more. It's the, the biggest trap that entrepreneurs run into, especially like new business owners that, all right, I want to bring on the sales team and, you know, typically when it happens, when they find a, a sales leader from another industry or another company and uh, they're pitching them a big game, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I got these guys, you know what I mean? But you're going to have to pay me this, you know, and they sacrifice mm-hmm. their margins, you know what I mean? And yeah. they, they don't know what they're getting with that, you know? And so that's mm-hmm. why I've always been such a big proponent of building organically, you know, and then the ones that do come in from other companies, you know, my, my recommendation is always make them go through your system, you know? So like if I have a, uh, a solar closer right now come from 
another company, they're going to have to start off as an appointment setter, just like everybody else, you know? And so, and then that's kind of what, you know, what we're building right now. But like you said, you got to maintain, you got to maintain your core values when you start out and make everybody go through the system that kind of creates them and teaches them to them. If they don't, then you're going to have people come in and kind of do their own thing, bad habits, like you said, and then, you know, it can be detrimental. Yeah. It disrupts your business. Now, one of, one of the favorite things that I did that I ended up, you know, I, I learned it along my trial and error through running the business. But one of my favorite things that I learned when starting to recruit people in like that, after I already had a foundation of successful reps, uh, was I told them, look, the reason you're even coming and looking at our company and talking to us is because you're not happy with where you're at. And they always forget that (laughs) you're looking because you're looking for something else than what you currently have. And the reason you're chatting with me is because you heard that I could probably have that solution for you. And I know it's a different way than you've done ever before and that anyone's ever taught you, but that's what you're looking for. So come on in, do what you've been looking for, give it a shot. Uh, We're going to take care of you. We just want three months because that's when we feel like you're going to have enough time to see what the difference is. doesn't mean you have to adopt it and like it. In fact, I'll help you find a new place, but give us three months to show you the difference. And, you know, that kind of helped them come in. And uh, I would start them off by saying I had an agreement that said, uh, you can, we can do things exactly like your previous company did. We can put you on the same pay scale. You can operate the same way. Just know that it's, it operates outside of what my business does. And, and if your numbers work and we had, we had the numbers posted everywhere. We had an app that gamified things and it was instant. Right. If your numbers work, then all of these other managers are likely going to adopt and change to what you're doing. That's why we post these numbers. Uh, but if your numbers are low and they're not good, that might be really embarrassing for you. And you might realize, okay, hey, maybe maybe there is something to the way that they're doing it. But I'm not going to tell you no. I'm going to tell you yes every single time. It's the numbers that you're either going to get embarrassed or you're going to be proud of. That's it. Wow. So it's like a, a proving ground and it's all based on the numbers. So let me ask you this. Did anybody ever come in, you know, do it their way when you knew it wasn't the right way, but they still somehow got the numbers? Yes. Uh, yes. I, I would love to say no on that. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, I would say for the first two and a half years, yes. People would come in and I would be so adamantly against it because I knew better. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden their numbers went up and I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I had to adjust plenty of times, right? Okay. Yeah. It was only, it was only to about three years, three years in where I had like the perfect recipe and every time they'd come in, I'd heard everything. I'd seen everything. Yeah. And I was like, yep, I've heard that. Been there, done that. Go ahead. I know where it's going to go. If you happen to pull it off, then we'll adjust. But in the back of my mind, I knew. <laughs> yeah, that that sounded like my first four years in business. I was so receptive to everything because I was, I was brand new at it. You know, I had knocked doors for a whole three months before I hired my first sales manager. And so um, he brought in his ideas and then I had another guy that brought in his and we kind of created this melting pot, which was cool because everybody was kind of like on the same playing field and, uh, and we kind of grew it from there. But uh, yeah, so, so many times in my career, I was that owner that was like, Oh, the big sales team, the hit all at once. You know what I mean? And it, it probably wasn't hugely impactful. Maybe it was three or four guys, but when I lost on that, it prevented me from hiring 50 in the future. 
and, and losing my contract. You know what I mean? And so those are the really good lessons early on, you know what I mean? To create the perfect recipe, like you said, and also learn what not to do. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. Sales orgs, uh, salespeople, people with teams, people that are coming on managers, they don't understand that, you know, even, even though they might be doing volume, sometimes it, ha- it doesn't always have to do with volume. And I think it's really important for people to understand that business owners, the ultimate goal is not to have a company name that, that you get to say that you own. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to have something that is running without you even showing up. My dream is to show up into a building where someone bumps into me and, and bumps my shoulder. My papers go flying everywhere. They say, sorry. And they keep running because they don't know who I am. That's a successful business. That's, oh, yes. I, that's the business I want to own. Right. And so these, these sales reps and these managers, when they come in with all this volume and they think that's what we want, what I really want is someone that's not going to jam up my operational team someone that's not going to send them home crying or disrupt the flow of everything we have going because that's not automation. I need automation for a business. I need it to to happen consistently in the way that we built it so that everything's streamlined and runs fluid. And so I would say no to a tremendous amount of volume and yes to a small amount that would allow me to automate my business and and have the lifestyle that I want. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Probably four years or five years into, uh, my business, uh, there was several times cause we had, we had 13 offices at one point. So, you know, ge- geography and the sheer amount of people that we had helped with this, but I would walk into these other offices and they would ask the manager, like, who's that guy, you know? And I wasn't as prevalent on social media or anything like that before. And they would, they would ask like, who's that guy? Like, you know, cause back then I dressed the nines. Now I don't care. You know what I mean? But back then I was like in a suit and my, you know, crocodile boots and all that good stuff. You know, I looked the part, right. And yeah. they, they were always curious, like, is he with AT&T or, you know, who's this guy or whatever. And so like, I always took that as a compliment, you know, cause it meant my, my business was running efficiently, you know, they knew so-and-so in the back office or they knew the regional or they knew the VP, you know what I mean? but they didn't even have a face to put the CEO, which was kind of crazy to me. Cause when you did your opportunity meeting, you saw the structure, the org structure, but you know, you get so much information that first day, you're probably not remembering anything. <laughs> and sometimes it's, sometimes I see people's faces, you know, and I'm like, and I should know who they are, but then I see them in real life and I'm like, I, I don't know who you are. I have no clue. Yeah. And then I see their Facebook uh, profile picture and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's you. <laughs> I really know you. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So kind of, uh, so when I decided to get into consulting, I developed a a quick guideline, you know what I mean? And it's called Kodok, right? And the way that lays out is compensation, opportunity, development, operations, and culture. And I kind of created this in like 15 minutes because it was everything that I had been been doing already. It was just a way to structure it so I could explain it to people. And Yeah. And, and so basically what it is, is it's my, my audit that I used to go into offices with, you know what I mean? So I used to go into every office and I would look around at the office and see, you know, everything from, all right, is there coffee cups next to the coffee maker? Is the area clean? You know what I mean? All the way to, is the manager there inspiring? Is he uh, engaging the guys? Are the meetings, you know, do they have a good energy? You know, they don't have to be super hype and all that, but they have to have a good energy. Are the guys engaged, you know? And so I would go through the, this audit and 
I kind of feel like Kodak is the audit for uh, a sales team, right? And so let's, let's walk through it real quick. So it's compensation, opportunity, development, operations, and culture. So these are the, the core things that you can kind of check off with a sales team to see if everything's going. And obviously there's a lot under compensation. There's a lot under operations, you know, and so on and so forth. What do you think in, in terms of building a great sales team out of those six items is the most important? Um, I, know, oh. I know I'm putting you on the spot with a lot of these questions. Uh, no, it's, I would say it has nothing to do with the sales team. So I would say uh, development and, and okay. operations. Okay. Uh, because even though, even though traditionally that you think that doesn't have anything to do with the sales team, but I run into this daily, you, you can go recruit a hundred people, but unless you have the operations to sustain and, and back them coming onto your platform, then you lose them all within a couple of two, three months anyway. Mm-hmm. So a lot of business owners want to go out and get that volume, get people into their business. So they could be like, look, I have a successful business now, but you're constantly going to be going through a cycle of replacing them and, you know, going through this roller coaster, unless you have your operations and, and a way to develop those operations built out. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I actually uh, turned down a consulting gig last week because, you know, I asked him, can you handle 20 extra sales a week? Right. What, what's going to happen if you get 20 new customers in like three weeks, you know, after we start uh, rocking this thing. And he was like, Oh, I can't handle that many customers right now. And I was like, okay, well then, we don't need to do this yet. You need to work on your operations first. You know what I mean? And I can help you with that, but I've got a few other people that are operations niche, you know, that can, that can do that. And I, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've had it happen to me before. And luckily I've always had, you know, with direct TV, we installed our own deals, but like with AT&T, I could send them a thousand orders tomorrow and they'd be ready to go. It's AT&T, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I've always been able to scale quickly with them, but with direct TV, we had to install our own TV, you know what I mean? And so we did, we went from like 200 orders a month in, in February to like seven or 800 in June. And we were, we were backlogged like crazy, you know what I mean? And we probably had a 10% revenue loss just from reschedules and them calling direct TV directly to get installed faster. You know what I mean? And so we experienced that. Uh, and so I think, I think it's one of those, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you can put someone else's on type thing. Cause you're right. If you don't have the operations and, uh, development in sync, then you throw all those sales on top of it and it's just going to be a mess and you're going to, you're going to lose the culture. You're going to lose compensation. You're going to lose opportunity, you know? Yeah. You know, it's for, it's a tough one for me. I'm, I'm a little bit more biased to that development and operations. Um, I had the business partner I had at Helio gold after we sold it. He's the, the one I told you about that took me to the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started building the solar Academy together. I want, I want to work with him. He is my other half. He's, yeah. he's rated everything that I cannot do. Yeah. Um, but we became, we hit this chicken and the egg scenario. Mm-hmm. I did not, I had built Helio gold without him. I brought him on in year three yeah. and I knew what it felt like to not have an operation pl- operational platform built out when we brought sales on. I knew what that felt like. I knew what my life turned into, what my relationships turned into. And, and so when we were doing the solar Academy, he had never been through that. And he said, 
I want to use money that we get from sales to build the business. I don't want to use my money. And I said, I did that already. I've been there. Uh, I've gotten the money so that I don't have to do that again. Um, I would rather build the operations first to keep my lifestyle and then get the sales. And so it becomes a chicken and egg scenario and neither one of them is right or wrong. I just know which one my lifestyle fits better with. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, just from our short conversation today, and this is the first one that we've had, which is kind of cool to do it over a podcast like this, but uh, <laughs> right, okay. it's nice to meet you finally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think you're, you're you kind of lean integrator with that. Would that be correct? I lean what? In, integrator. So like, uh, have you ever, uh, heard of EOS? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in, in the EOS platform, there's a, in, a, in every company, there's an integrator and a visionary. Sometimes it has to be the same person because that's the the owner. You know what I mean? But you either lean one way or the other, which is operation centric or, you know, sales and marketing. You know what I mean? And uh, so the visionary is the one that has the big ideas, the big plans. You know what I mean? The hundred million dollar, you know, visions basically. And the integrator is the one sitting there like, all right, but you know what has to happen first. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of the two. And so I'm, I'm, I'm the same way you are. I'm more like, Hey, I want to make sure that everything's in place. That way, when we hit go, you know what I mean? You're never ready for everything, right? At some point you got to hit go, but I want a good little foundation, you know, which is, which is why we're building kind of slowly with, uh, the solar company, you know? And it's funny that yours was called Helio Gold. I saw that on your face. I was scrolling through your Facebook page and I saw that and I was like, man, we great minds think alike. Mine was Helio's power. Until I realized there was a, a trademarking issue. And I don't know if it was, I want to say it was Helio Gold. Do you guys have a trademark that's uh, Helios or Helio Power? No. Oh, okay. No. So there is a trademark somewhere in Southern California. Um, they established a trademark as Helio Power. So I'd, I had to make a decision whether or not um, I was going to build my company to scale. Because if I did, then eventually I would infringe on their trademark. And they would be able to send me a cease and desist and I would have to stop all marketing of Helios power. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went ahead and changed the company name to Argenta Solar, which Argenta is a super unique name because we use it on our AT&T contract, Argenta Field Solutions, and then Argenta Consulting. So it just kind of went with everything else. But whenever I created the solar, that what's that? I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. I mean, Luckily I was only six months in and not six years in. Right. And then got the letter. That's, that's why I have a really good, uh, a really good l- lawyer, uh, Jessica Dennehy. She doesn't practice law anymore, but she does all those little, you know, things like trademark and, uh, operating agreements and all that stuff. And she, she killed oh, yeah. it on that one. She, she saved me a lot of money. I wish, uh, I wish owners knew how important that actually was. Um, it's hard in the beginning though. And if you don't, if you're trying to build it without the funds, it's hard to justify spending funds on a piece of paper. Yeah. That you really get. Yeah. A trademark, it can cost you anywhere from 1800 to $3,000. So yeah, it gets expensive. If fast. You get approved. That's yeah. not even, not even saying that you're going to get it. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's why I went with Argentica because it's just a unique name, but, uh, all right. So for our entrepreneurs out there that don't have a sales team yet, you know, they're, they're getting, there's so many of them that have successful, you know, seven figure businesses that basically operate on word of mouth, right? They, you know, somebody hears about what their business does and, uh, reaches out and they, they, they sign them up, 
You know, like I, I was talking to one the other day and his, his wife is the salesman for the company. You know what I mean? But yeah. she's admin, but she also takes the incoming calls from Facebook and you know what I mean? The referrals and everything. And so if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to start bringing in more revenue, I'm ready to go. I got my operations and development down. Um, which route would you recommend that I take? You know, there's door to door, there's social media, there's, you know, phones and text messaging, there's lead gen, all these different ways to get sales. If I'm going to build a, a, a sales team out to bring in this new production, which, which one would you go to first? Uh, so I have two answers to that. Uh, the first one would be, we got Solar Joe up here. Solar Joe, you can come down if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, got, I have two answers to that. The first one would be stick to what you know, because business is hard enough as it is already. If you are phenomenal at, at virtual sales or phone sales, stick to what you know and attract those people and bring them in initially to start with. What's up, Solar Joe? What's up, Joe? This <laughs> awesome conversation. Keep going. Keep going. Um, yeah, we're out here for that conference and then we have a couple meetings that we're going to be going to. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, so stick with, stick in your lane. Why make it more difficult? Why bring on someone and try to pretend, you know, go through the trial and error of, of what their profession is, um, stick to that. Okay. Or that's one piece of advice. Uh, or, uh, if you're really, really good at separating your passion and your beliefs and what you know, and, and really building up. Uh, what the person knows and who they are, uh, then you can bring them on and let them know and get them bought into your vision and what your policies are and, and what your belief system is. And if they're really good at virtual and you're good at door to door, just support them, give them support and let them do what they do. Show them the numbers, show them the KPIs, let them know. I don't necessarily understand it, but I believe in you because they believe in your, in your vision. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to turn those people away, but I have found frequently it's difficult to separate what you know and, and bring those people in and simplify things. It's two different personality traits, uh, but I don't think either of them are wrong. I just happen to be better at the one of sticking in my lane and knowing what I know. No, I love your, your first answer. You know what I mean? How are you getting your sales now? Cause obviously you're good at it. Right. And then build mm -hmm. on that. And then the, the second one being like, Hey, I need to step out of sales. So I'm going to hire somebody to lead this sales team. And so I need to double down on what they're good at. You know what I mean? What they've been successful at in the past and, and, uh, double down on that. So love that. Um, so when you are, you know, that, that, that's a good transition to hiring that key salesperson or that key sales manager, um, to you, what is that, what does that look like? You know, is it a, a high base salary and then, you know, commission on future sales? Is it a low base salary and understanding most of your commission is going to come from sales? What's kind of your philosophy on that? You know, that's a good question. It's, that's a hard one to answer. I, I, I got hit by the EDD for misclassification of employment. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I was the only one in the country that got that. No, I got it too. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we got a lot to talk about in that area. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's tough to answer that one because as a new business owner, nothing, nothing makes more sense than 1099 and commission only to start, you know, based on volume. And, you know, back, back when grandpa was raising, you know, building the farm, 
you only got paid for what you worked on. You know, that's, yeah. that's how I believe things should be. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. I only want to get paid for, for what I can build. Um, but nowadays, you know, the government and people, they need protections against some monster entrepreneurs that, you know, just take advantage of people. And, and, you know, they kind of ruined it for guys like you and I that just want to do honest, clean business. And they, and now the workers need protection. Yeah. So it's a hard one. The safest way to do it would be to W to your employees. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's the safest way to not get hit by the EDD, but the healthiest thing for your business would be to do 1099. And although I was compliant in every single way, uh, the state just said, ah, you look like you're compliant, but we're just going to find you anyway. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's what I learned about California real fast and why I never opened up an office there because yeah. there is no 1099 in California. <laughs> not any- so and there's a lot of business owners that think that there still is and 90% of them still operate that way. Yeah. And they just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And it's just, you, you really have to pay attention to the state that you're operating in and uh, make sure that you're not setting yourself up for failure. Cause that, that back, that back pay and that back tax is, is ugly. So I want to throw a curveball out there. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, yeah. I want to throw something wild out there that, that ended up, changing the course of my entire life with, uh, with solar. And it's not going to be a popular one, but by God, I'm telling you it works. Uh, the, the setters, if you have a setter closer model, mm-hmm. um, I, I really learned this because I had, I had appointments that I had, I got referrals that came in and I called my buddy, Ben, who is arguably the best solar sales guy in the country. He's so good that he just doesn't care to fly in social media. He flies under the radar. He just has tons of money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I call him up and like, Hey Mac, I'll give you Ben Mac. Hey Mac, I'll give you two grand. If you can go close this job, it's an appointment. You know, it came in, uh, here's a screenshot of the homeowner saying that they're expecting someone at this time. And, and this was just a few hours before. And he said two grand. Sure. Ended up being like a 38 kilowatt system. Wow. Uh, and, but he, but he was, he, he was watching television. He was fine with the two grand. He's like, yeah, yeah, two grand. I'm watching TV. I'll get up right now. (laughs) It's just down the road. No problem. Who's going to say no to two grand? But sales reps, they get so caught up in these percentages. Oh, I I have to have 50% or or 80%. But remember, you're sitting on a couch watching a television where a screenshot confirmation comes in. It says, be at this address at this time for an hour, Mm -hmm. two grand. Right. And so what I did is I tested that model and pushed it a spot further and started paying my setters 70% of the total commission and the closers 30%. Mm-hmm. Well, that took off like wildfire because the highest end closers no longer had to do anything. They could sit there and watch TV, go to the park, play games, do anything they wanted. And they got a screenshot text conversation from a homeowner saying, yeah, this date at this time. And they wouldn't go unless they had that screenshot. But the setters were so stoked at 70%. They got to do what they're good at. Go set an appointment, a quality one, mm-hmm. right? And get paid 70% of the job and everybody was happy. Wow. That is, uh, yeah, that's not a popular model. <laughs> um, you, you know, what's funny is uh, in Corpus Christi, we've got this company uh, called uh, Zenith. I mean, DECA. I mean, I don't know what they changed their name to now, but um <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're actually using that, that model now. And I was kind of wondering where it came from, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so I've got a few questions about that now. Now we're in, 
now I'm getting free consulting here. <laughs> so on the, uh, on the setter, did you find your setter body, uh, your, your setter head count to be a lot bigger than the, the closer head count? Do they kind of want to stay in that setter head count? Yeah, but he who controls the leads controls the salespeople, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the head count on the setters grew significantly. And, you know, if someone's listening to this, I'll probably get phone calls, but just to let you guys all know, because mm-hmm. this is happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a sales company anymore. So yeah. <laughs> <for you. laughs> but, um, but why, why would someone sitting on a couch watching television care if they made two grand on a 38 kilowatts? They don't know it. It could have been a three kilowatt system. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, do you try to flatten out that part of the model too, the closer model be a, a, a set rate. Um, I, I tried to, but then percentages kind of took over, you yeah. know, everyone wants percentage. So mm-hmm. the 30 kilowatt system, you know, 30% would have been better. Yeah. So um, it kind of evens things out, whether it's a three or a 38, it kind of makes it a, a, a bit more fair. They're not as stoked about the three kilowatt ones, but this kind of trickles down to the setters, mm-hmm. the setters, if they don't create an established, uh, appointment, if they don't do it well enough, or the, the system sizes are consistently too small, then as you're sending it to the top closer in the company, mm-hmm. and I told them, I don't care who you send it to. And I don't care what your negotiations are. I, I truly don't. Uh, this is between you guys, right? My job is to fulfill your accounts, make sure you have a good experience and pay you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, I'm not involved in this, but this is what uh, I've found to be successful. And these setters, if they go to the very top closer, because we had those numbers posted, Mm -hmm. uh, then the top closer would get these appointments. They would just stop going. Now the setters on the hot seat, they need to go get more quality appointments or they need to go get larger system sizes or knock in neighborhoods that have bigger homes or higher usage or likelihood of closing. And so the, the closers themselves became very powerful because they would start to starts to tell the closers, no, your last, your last four were tiny systems. Get out of downtown and go, go out to County. Gotcha. Um, and then I'll go to your appointments because I have no reason to go downtown anymore. I'm not going to take percent on a three, four kilowatt system. Yeah. Now the center's on the hot seat. So it created this neutrality in the, in the business. And I loved it. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't exist in a normal, uh, setter closer model. So yeah, I could see how that, that would happen. Because they're not getting these huge commissions anymore. It's like, I'm not going unless it's basically a deal. You know what I mean? It's got to be set up nicely, you know, where you're closing like 60, 70%, I imagine. Or was it higher than that? Yeah. If a specific setter came, they would know their quality of sets. And they would, would, then the 70, 30 was recommended, but then they would start to negotiate their own red lines. And I didn't care. We had a form that they filled out to, you know, to, dictate how who was getting what and that we would not deviate from that if they came back and there was discrepancies i would say sorry guys i literally have to go off of what you guys submitted right here i'm sorry that you're arguing but you guys both submitted this so i'm going off of that and i have something in my contracts with them that if that commission changed i need a signed document that we had created I need a signed document from both of you saying what the change is and a third party, one of the executives has to sign off on it as well. Otherwise we're paying with how you submitted it wow. because arguments and discrepancies do come up in, in, mm-hmm. in accounts and there has to be, there has to be a line somewhere. Right. Did, did you find in, in getting more into a, a sales team combo here, did you find you could only accept a certain level of salesperson? 
because of that professionalism that had to happen both ways, the skill that the appointments that are had to have earning that type of commission and then negotiating with the closer. Like it doesn't sound like you were hiring entry level salespeople. Uh, we did, we did hire entry level. We had a different program for that. So we had different programs for how they progressed throughout the company and the new people coming in, the policy was that they got full commission. It was the company that actually paid the closer, uh, on the, on the, on the new person's first three jobs. Okay. So the company almost made no money on the first three accounts. Uh, but it really helped significantly because, uh, attrition happens when you're recruiting, right? Absolutely. I found yeah, crazy. So I found to mitigate that attrition at a high level, um, I needed my highest end top closers to go and close these brand new sales reps appointments. Uh, but the sales rep, they're like, why would I have someone so big come and close it? It's because the company would pay the closer. Mm-hmm. And so the sales rep immediately got money in their account because you got the highest end closer going to these new people's appointments. Then they got the training They got the feeling of what it was like to watch that. Um, Their morale went way up. Money starts hitting their bank account week two. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it was a beautiful model, but they only get three of them from the company. If they decided that they wanted more after that, then the company wasn't going to pay for it. It was time for them to negotiate how much of a percentage that they wanted to give up to the closer. And that's on you guys. It's your business. Do what you want. Negotiate how you want. And that makes sense. Um, you know, I know the systems are uh, smaller in California, but like in, in Texas, they would, so that would basically mean they had anywhere from 20 to 30 grand in their pocket before they had to make that negotiation. You know what I mean? So now their bills are paid. Now maybe they've got a new cell phone, a new vehicle, you know what I mean? And now they're set up for success in, in the business. Yeah. yeah. In order to keep these sales reps, they just need a little bit of taste of money in their bank account and, and they'll, and they'll stay. So it really is more of a, a high risk on or not onboarding, but uh, entry level process in the beginning, but you're, you're trying to increase your retention rate is what you're doing, right? Instead of saying, Hey, I'm going to hire a bunch of people and who's going to stick is going to, who's going to stick, who's going to stick is who's incredibly successful from the get because they have money in their account. I'm going to try to kind of grab those middle range people and, and prop them up a little bit until they get good. Right. And kind of yeah increases my retention rate. I like that. Awesome. And everybody won. Everybody won. The managers loved it. The managers would likely go and close them because they're usually the top salespeople, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we had guidelines and uh, that the managers, in order to lead a team and manage a team, they had to close a certain amount of accounts. Whether Now, it doesn't mean they had to go out and generate them all themselves. Some did, some didn't. Some, some kept building their teams up enough where they would go close those first three accounts over and over and over. Mm-hmm. They're closing. Right. And so, uh, you know, we, we built it out that way and, and people ended up sticking for a very, very long time. Uh, just in San Diego alone, when we shut down the company after that conference, Mm -hmm. we had 58 sales reps with, with a 3.4, uh, per rep average, uh, for, for that team, um, per month. And, uh, if you guys don't understand those numbers, that's, that's insane. (laughs) That's freaking insane. <laughs> I mean, that's what we ended with. It wasn't always that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> I understand. But obviously you proved the model, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, right now we probably, I think we only have like four closers right now. 
And we're probably at that average, but that's with four closers. You know what I'm saying? And these are people that came from our other campaigns that have been with us for a long time. They're closers, period, you know? So the fact that you're hiring new people, new appointment setters and promoting new closers, and you're still doing those kind of numbers at 58 plus is massive. That's just a high quality team in, in general. That's, you know, not to be cheesy here, but that's a great sales team. That was, it was, it's one of the best, almost every single one of those 58 people, almost all of them now own and run their own sales orgs. That's amazing. That's awesome. They're, they were educated beyond, uh, that's, that's, you know, just affirmation as to why I keep doing what I do. And, and for what I do, uh, there was 58 testimonials. So that was great. <laughs> you know, that's, that's amazing. And e- even for, for having a solar company, that would be the best recruiting tool in the world. Let's just say you kept, you know, you stayed in, in, uh, the, the solar business on that end, you stayed in sales. I mean, you, you're right. You had 58 testimonials. If you come to this company, it's not a matter of if you're going to own your own company someday, it's a matter of when, you know what I mean? And imagine being able to recruit like that, you know? And so I, I talk about it all the time. Like we have a, what we call our freedom training. And the freedom training is, is based on the concept by, uh, Sean Whalen of being a free man. Have you heard of Sean Whalen? Mm-mm. Okay. So he, he, he's got a, uh, lions, not sheep is his apparel company. Check it out when you get a chance. You probably like his stuff. Um, okay. but, uh, you know, he talks about not owing anybody, anything, whether it be your time, whether it be money or whether it be your like mental space. And, um, you know, other, the only thing he talks about is it's kind of silly not to own, or not to finance a car or a house, right? These big ticket items, because uh, that money could be in the market making you money versus you just have it sitting there in cash doing nothing, right? And so, but everything else he says, you know, you should be working to basically be a free man, right? And so I took a lot of the concepts that I learned from him and that I learned in Apex and I brought them back to my team. Because I was like, well, if I want this for myself, why wouldn't they want it for themselves? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so we started, you know, at the appointment center level, you know, we go through tax training, right? And so um, our appointment centers are W-2 now, but we still want them to be savvy on what they can and can't write off, you know? So mm-hmm. we, we brought in our accounting team from Easier Accounting in Utah, and uh, they're going to do uh, a tax training for us. And then we're going to deploy that in the early stages of the appointment center training. Right. And then you go up to closer and now they're learning about crypto and NFTs and investments and, you know, Airbnbs, real estate, whatever the case is. And at every level, we're teaching them more and more wealth building strategies. Right. And so I I always said that the biggest, the biggest uh, recruiting tool would be somebody came into my company, learned all this stuff, built wealth, and then left the company because their investments were doing so well and they started their own business or they lived on those investments or they just became, you know, a, a real estate investor or whatever the case is. And they became successful at it. You know what I mean? Because people always ask, well, why are you teaching them all this stuff? They're just going to leave your company someday. And I said, that's, that's a great, it's a great point. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. um, being able to tell a new recruit come in, Hey, you know, so-and-so all he does is real estate flips now. And, and so-and-so is a, a, a crypto investor and he started his own line of NFTs and those are killing it. You know what I mean? And then so-and-so is uh, living in the woods 
on the million dollars he made at this company, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever the, whatever <laughs> they want, or they started their own business, you know, or they started their own solar company, you know? Um, if you're able to have testimonials like that, it, it, what it says is, Hey, I'm not just here for me and mine. I'm here for you and yours too, you know? Right. So that's huge. Let's talk about what you got going on right now. So, um, you know, I know you've got solar Academy, you've got the solar con event, and then I did see on the solar Academy, y'all do some pretty, uh, intense like retreats. Is, is that, is that a good way to describe it? Yeah. Uh, who, what you were just talking about, what's his name? Whalen, John Whalen, John Whalen about owning your uh, mind, owning your time, owning everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I found in this consulting gig, uh, that I don't own my time anymore. I, I actually thought it was, you know, going to be amazing. And, and what I found is I became an employee at all of these companies that are hiring us to build their companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also the fall guy. I'm also the, the victor, you know, the, uh, Hey, he did it. He brought us here. Yeah. Uh, hey, that didn't work. That was your fault. You know, and, and it's constantly, it's constantly just time being taken away. And so we're really excited to, to build out these retreats which I'm finding is what a lot, what a lot of people are wanting anyway in this industry is to have someone called it something. Um, it's education and entertainment put together. Yeah, I can't remember. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't remember the word of it, uh, but uh, they mix those words and that's kind of what people are looking for now. And I can give them a week of my time, everything I've ever built from these companies, every training I have and just consolidated into a week and say, take that knowledge and run rather and then I, then I could be done rather than stay on the hook and be responsible for my time. And, and, and we're looking forward, we had done retreats before and, and tested that model out. Um, but the consulting things, as much as I love to do them and I've helped companies build and even sell their company to this point, mm-hmm. I've had multiple of those. Um, I, I just, I think I'm excited for this new chapter. Absolutely. So any uh, solar professionals or, or sales professionals in general, I imagine that are interested in that. They just go to the solar academy.com and that's where you have all the yeah. information for those. Not for the retreats yet. We're rolling those okay. retreats out of SolarCon, And you mentioned NFTs. We're actually rolling out NFTs with Danny Pessy and Knockstar. Nice. Uh, we're rolling out some sales wolves, NFTs uh, for the entire sales community, no matter what you sell. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone that owns one of those will end up going to conferences with Brian Tracy, the Wolf of Wall Street, um, that we're going to be putting on on year one. Awesome. So um, we're staying relevant and we're trying to promote and build what the industry needs and what they're looking for. Um, because if you're not adapting your business, then you're dying, right? Absolutely. And, and so we're adapting to what the needs of the people are today. No, that's massive. And, you know, the big thing for me with NFTs is the function behind the artwork, right? And so uh, one of my favorite ones that I have is a full send NFT. Have you heard of those guys? Yeah. And, Very cool. Uh, yeah, they, you know, that gives you access to their promotional uh, events in the physical world and in the metaverse. So that's really cool. And then, you know, you got a bunch of other NFTs that have a ton of function with them, but yeah, I mean, I was waiting for the NFT to come out. That was like a development NFT to where you bought this NFT and it was like, I don't know, 200 grand, you know what I mean? But you basically got access to every affiliated conference that went with it or, you know, um, event or whatever the, the, the case is would be, would, would be really cool. Especially if you're in like, 
like the consulting or coaching or a space that applies to all, you know, all these conferences that we, we go to sometimes to develop ourselves or to get clients. Um, that would be a, a really cool, like all access VIP, you know, for the rest of the, the, the conferences that are there. I don't know. Maybe I'm drinking yeah, too big on that one. <laughs> we're excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's cool. Um, I'm going to see, I think I'm going to see, uh, Jordan Belfort in Arizona at coaching con. I think he's going to be there. So that's, okay. that's, that's next month. But you know, one of the, the questions that I asked one of my mentors, Ryan Stuman, he's the owner of, uh, apex, um, and break free Academy was, you know, coaching sounds like a job and consulting sounds more of like a, you know, it ends and it's a gig. Right. And so, I said, I don't think I want to be a coach, you know, cause like, like you said, you're kind of like tied to the company for months on end. And then, yeah, you know, there's so many variables, right? I can give you the, the, the recipe all I want, but there's a reason, there's a reason that Gordon Ramsay would kick my ass in the kitchen, whether I had his recipe or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's so many variables you can give them the recipe, but if they don't execute it properly, you know what I'm saying? Or they tweak something here or there or they don't have the people in place executed or the fulfillment like you talked about. So many things can go wrong. And at the end of the day, you know, not a lot of people are going to look at the man in the mirror and say, Hey, we did this wrong. They're going to look at their consultant or their coach and say, Hey, that was you, you know what I mean? Cause it's easier. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's definitely tough. So that's why every, everything I I'm doing now is like limited to 90 days. And, and you know, I, I, I kind of know that, once I, once I get into an organization for 90 days, I know the biggest impact that I'm able to make, if there is an impact to make has been made. You know what I'm saying? Like if I still need to be involved after 90 days then I haven't done my job, you know? And so that's kind of how I have everything set up, but no, that's really cool. Um, anything else that you have going on that you want to talk about? You know, a question I had is, okay, so you started and built seven businesses in the last four years. So you know, we've got solar Academy, we've got Helio gold. What are the other five? I'm kind of curious. <laughs> uh, Parkmont properties is one. My son's middle name is Parker and mine has Mont in it. Uh, so we just combine them Parkmont properties. Awesome. Um, you know, that holds some real estate in Utah, uh, with my family. Uh, and then, uh, there's Brightwood customs, uh, which I absolutely love woodworking and building things. Uh, so that company during COVID uh, has kind of slowed down because I've, I've put most of my attention on the Solar Academy now and solar side of things. But, um, you know, we got, they got a big project to remodel an entire spa. Uh, because I'm in solar, we have a lot of organizations that knew that I did it. And I built these very custom, unique uh, uh, solar tables that were inlaid in, in uh, reclaimed wood. Uh, that had epoxy covering them so they could use them as whiteboards, erase them in the, in the, in the center. Of the oh, that's solar awesome. Panel. Um, you know, with, uh, wireless charging ports underneath it, like very custom stuff, uh, very custom builds and, um, making it look beautiful. Uh, and so that's bright with customs. I love that company. Um, yeah. Park one property, San Diego's outdoor adventures is another one. Oh, cool. uh, have a truck, razor, boat, uh, people can rent those things out. And, and really, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but really I wanted all of those things. I wanted all the tools, the woodworking tools. I wanted the razor, the boat. I want all of those yeah. things. So I bought them and then I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get taxed on them. So, uh, 
I'm gonna create, an, I'm gonna create a company and put them up for rent. You this know, is not and, financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to say that. If the IRS is listening, this is for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> yeah, none of this is true. This, this, you know, um, but yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. So, uh, but they ended up their passions and I'm good at building businesses. So they, they run and they function and yeah, it's been fun. That's awesome. Very exciting stuff. So guys, uh, very honored to, uh, have interviewed Jake Hess for this podcast. If, uh, you want to get in touch with them, you can reach out to him on social media platforms, just at Jake Hess. Uh, I think it's not a common name, so they should be able to find you pretty easily. Yeah. There's not a lot of Hesses out there. And I'm always wearing a hat because I got no hair. So. <laughs> I'm I'm on my way. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I typically wear the backwards hat and it's kind of turned into my trademark. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to like do it less because it's terrible. If you, if you do want to keep your hair. So, <laughs> you know, I actually, I actually had a, you were talking about getting those nice suits uh-huh. that you had, right? Yeah. I was at an event where I was selling these hundred thousand dollar packages and someone was coming up and I was just, and I went to take my jacket off cause it was three days of me talking yeah. and I was so hot and I was getting comfortable. So I took my jacket off as I'm explaining the cost mm-hmm. and right. And they saw the label and it said express. Mm-hmm. He goes, is that an express suit? Mm-hmm. I was like, yep. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing to sell a hundred thousand dollar package. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I bought these Armani suits and boss and I'm like, that's never happening again, but it doesn't stay true to who you are and who your personality is. So now I just wear my surf clothes yeah. uh, when I go speaking and do all of this stuff because people just want you for who you are mm-hmm. and not what you, what you are tricking them to be. Right. Yeah. Cause eventually, eventually if you put on that facade and I, I definitely did it in my younger years and in my twenties, uh, you won't, you won't perform as well. Because you're not, like you said, you're not being true to who you are. And uh, there's all this friction in what you're doing. And you're trying yeah. to keep up this facade. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of funny. And I probably shouldn't be saying this because I don't want to be a target for somebody. But um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to get my money out of cash, right? I'm trying to get it in material things that when inflation happens, you know, those things will appreciate in value. Um, and so one of the things that I did is I bought a Rolex, you know, but you won't catch me wearing it because I'm just, I, I, I don't have that appreciation for watches. You know, it's just something that I could be diversified in and put my money into and then just put it in a safe somewhere. I'm not saying where and, uh, and, and, and let it do work for me. You know, I've got money in real estate and, uh, in crypto and in, in different things and out of cash, you know what I mean? Cause as you know, we're dealing with a lot of inflation right now. So, uh, that just kind of, you know, the most expensive thing I'll have on me at any given time is my boots. That's what I spend money on. You know, everything else is very, this is target. You know what I mean? It's like you're in Texas. You gotta have those boots. I know. Right. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast. We're going to wrap things up here. The, the, the last thing I want to mention one more time is the solaracademy.com. If you're in solar, and you need some education. If you're uh, an owner of a solar company or you're thinking about it, getting into it, go, go jump on that website. I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good one. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. 
until next time. 